Good morning. Well, indeed, it's a privilege to be here, and I want to thank God for the opportunity to work together with JS and also the Lifeline Network, the Lifeline Church. Just want to prepare myself a little bit, sorry. This morning, I would like to share something that is on my heart, very important, the area of the, the Holy Spirit. I want to talk a little bit about how we engage with the Holy Spirit and how we relate to the Holy Spirit. First of all, I would like you to turn your attention with me to the book of Genesis, chapter number 1, verse 1 and 2. We'll use that as a springboard into what I'm really saying. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. First, we realizing that in the beginning when there was nothing, the scripture says that God created the heavens and the earth. But verse 2 is telling us that there is a problem. The earth is without form. The earth is void. And darkness is covering everything. So it seems that there's a major problem. Nothing is working. But God does not get to the panic and wonder what to do. He gets to the point where he, I believe, begins to build himself up. And I believe for us, there is a way that we can build ourselves up. And that is through prayer, through worship, through thanksgiving. Like what we did this morning is one of the ways we build ourselves. And God began to build himself up. And immediately, the spirit began to move. The King James Version says the spirit moved. In the New King James, it says the spirit of God was hovering or set a blanket, set a canopy over everything. God, in order to change conditions, he needed the Holy Spirit to move. It's important for you and I, if we're going to do anything in the kingdom of God, we need the Holy Spirit to hover. We need the Holy Spirit to move. We need the Holy Spirit to move upon everything. 
God did not speak not until the Spirit moved. God did not speak not until the Holy Spirit hovered. And it's important for us to wait for the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Holy Spirit, to understand what it is that we are involved in. If we are going to see the shifting, if we are going to see the changes taking place in terms of the changing or building things, in lives, or in the earth, the Holy Spirit needs to move. So the Spirit of God is very important to each one of us. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, I would start from chapter 3, the scripture says that Jesus Christ, he we understand that he was born by the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, it tells us that his name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, when Gabriel came to announce to Mary and told her that she was chosen to do the next thing of God, which is to allow Jesus Christ to come into the earth, to carry, to be the carrier of the Son. The Bible says to us that she asked to the, the angel, how would this thing happen? How can this happen? First, we understand that she was pure and chaste. We understand that she was clear based on her relationship with God. She did not allow herself to be messed up. And she's asking God, but you're, she's asking the angel, but you are saying that I'm going to give birth to a child, but how is this going to happen? And he said to her, the Holy Spirit will come over you. He will overshadow you. So we understand then that Jesus, his birth came about because the Holy Spirit came and hovered over Mary. So in Matthew chapter 3, at the age of 30, Jesus comes and he submits himself to John, who was baptizing in water, and John, in verse 13, is saying, I have need to be baptized of you. And you're coming to me? Jesus said something which is very important. Suffer it to be so now. For thus it is for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he allowed it to happen. While Jesus and John went through the waters, the word says the heavens was open and the spirit came down in the form of a dove and rested upon it. It didn't say that it was a dove, but I believe there was no other English word that could describe what really happened. So therefore, I tell you exactly, in order to help you to understand what really happened, he said it was like 
a bird coming down, a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a bird. The Holy Spirit is a person. But in order to get your understanding, he says it was in the form of a dove. Maybe because of the peacefulness of that bird. That's one of the things that was used. And he says that the, there was the heavens open. Before Jesus, in his 30 years, before he get to that point, there was never a time that the heavens opened for him. And there are some of us today, based on where we were and where we are now, we might be in a place where we need to see the heavens open for us. There might be some blockages in our lives. There might be some things that have stopped us. But we need to come to the place where we step up to the place where God is pleased and cause the heavens to be open. So Jesus steps up to the waters of baptism, submit himself. And I want you to understand the key to be able to receive of God is submission, humility. He humbles himself. And when he gets to that place, the scripture says to us that the heavens is open, the spirit comes down in the form of a dove, and the voice from the heavens saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well placed. Notice he has not done anything. He has not opened blind eyes. He has not preached to anybody. He has not done anything. But God is giving an approval above him. And saying that this is my beloved son. And I'm well pleased with him. I believe that's one of the things that we want. I would like God to see for every one of us. Can God really say that about you? Can he say that about me today? That this is my beloved son. That this is my beloved daughter. This is my child. And I'm pleased. Is he really pleased with us? And it's very, very important when God places his spirit upon us, it's because he's pleased with us. God never identifies somebody he's not pleased with. Amen. He has to look at you. And maybe you're not to the place where you ought to be. But when God says, I've chosen you, in spite of what happened in your past, in spite of what happened in your life, and God places his hands upon you and handpicks you and say, you, and he puts his spirit upon you. He changes your path and causes you to be on the right path to be used of him. And it's very, very important. It doesn't matter what, people, what opinion people may have of you. It doesn't matter what your past may look like yesterday. The word says to us in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Being Christ is very, very important. Being Christ is one that is important for every one of us today. So if we need to understand the Holy Spirit... We need to understand the first thing that Jesus needed in order for him to be used of God was the filling of the Holy Spirit. Once that really happened, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. The next thing is that he would be able to understand what is it that God has designed for him 
And in order to understand what God has designed for him, he has to depend on the Holy Spirit. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. But in chapter 4, the first thing you understand then in chapter 4 is, he says that, that he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So it's one thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's another thing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Most people just settle and they build on just being filled with the Holy Spirit and not, have, not move to the next point. Being filled is one, but then you need to move to being led by the Holy Spirit. He got to the wilderness not because he chose to go to the wilderness. He got to the, Holy, to the wilderness because the Holy Spirit pushed him to the, to the wilderness. What you're doing today, is it because the Holy Spirit is leading you into that direction? Or are you just formulating something in your mind and say, that's the way. You need to not only be filled with the Holy Spirit, but you are, need to be led by the Holy Spirit. When we go to the next verses in Luke chapter 4, he says, and there he is 40 days and 49 in the will, he is fasted. And after he has fasted, the word says is during that trial time, the temper came to him. And said to him, if you are the son of God. When did he know about being son of God? Because God declared it from the heaven, the devil doesn't know, the enemy doesn't know anything about you, not until it is declared. And sometimes the persons who let the enemy know about us is by our mouth we declare things. When we speak certain things. That's why it's important what we speak about one another. We need to speak positive things towards one another. Because he could only speak the things that we speak out. That's why we should not have gossip. Because anytime we gossip, the enemy takes it and begins to open it up. The word gossip in its acronym is in the point where we'd be able to say G-O-S-S-I-P. One person put it that way. The G is go. All right? The O, on. The S, the first S, Satan. The second S, start. The third, the, the I is injecting. The P is people. Go on, Satan, start injecting people. Gossip. Satan using gossip to be able to inject lives but it only starts with the word that comes from our mouth. And that's why we need to be careful what we're speaking is life that builds up that the enemy does not get an occasion to be able to cause one another to stumble. So the word says to us that Jesus on the three occasions, the first one he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds that is going out of the mouth of God. Next he comes to the point and he says, he takes him up to this High mountain and show him everything. And he said to him, all these things will I give to you. If you will just bow down and worship me. Jesus used the word. Even to use the word of God, Jesus didn't just quote it at random. The Holy Spirit led him, especially in everything. And that's why the word of God says we should study the word of God. Because the Holy Spirit will not bring to your understanding things that you have not studied, things that you have not taken up. He's, if you did not take the time to get into the Word of God, to fill yourself with the Word of God, the Holy Spirit cannot bring it up to your spirit, man. 
That's why David said, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. So we need to take the time to fill our lives. Eat the word of God. Make sure we are receiving from God. So the word says, on the third occasion, when the enemy brought him to the temple and asked him to throw yourself down. Because it is written. Again, the enemy knows the word. He can quote it also. It is written, according to Psalms. In, in, in the Psalms, that is saying exactly that. He will give it in, he'll charge over you. Lest you dash your feet against the stone. They throw yourself down. What is he asking Jesus to do? Commit suicide. And there are times in our lives when the situations is really rough, where the enemy begins to tell us things is not working. Destroy our lives. Deal do something that is up, that is against what we believe. Suicide. And Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. So many times Satan causes us to tempt God. We fall to the temptation. We become victims to the temptation. And the word says to us very importantly that Jesus, when the enemy realized it could not, he says he left him for a season. And the next verse, verse 14 of chapter 4 of the book of Luke, the scripture says to us, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. First, he's filled with the Spirit. Second, he's led of the Spirit. Third, he begins to combat the enemy in the Spirit. Fifth, he is fasting because he's led by the Spirit. Now he comes with power. You're filled, but there's no power. Everybody say power. power. The filling of the Holy Spirit, there must come to a point where we operate with power. So Jesus received power, and you do not get, you do not raise up a banner. You do not lift up a crown, not until there is a fight. After he fought the enemy, that's where he received power. You have not fought any enemy. You have not fought any situation. How are you going to receive power? That the enemy would be afraid of you. The only way the demons begin to be afraid of him is because he had won the victory over them. And that's how we are going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to undo the work of darkness. Through the work of the Holy Spirit, the enabling of the Holy Spirit, we are able to change situations in life. We are able to challenge situations because we have fought the enemy and we have de defeated him. In our lives, in our appetites. Because after you have gone through times of fasting where you could go in the presence, you are saying that my appetite will not be God in my life. You dethrone you dethrone the power of the enemy that way. But he didn't stop here. Jesus went back to the place where he had brought up. And like a custom, he usually go to meetings with his mom and dad. And the word says they gave him a book to read. And when he opened that book, he said he specifically looked for a place where it is written. In the book of Isaiah. 
He specifically looked for a place where it was written. He didn't read any scripture. He made sure he was led by the Spirit of God to be able to read that within that house that day. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he have anointed me. Led of the Spirit, sorry, filled with the Spirit, led of the Spirit, be able to go through the wilderness, to fast it for 40 days and 40 nights of the Spirit, to be able to overcome the enemy by the Spirit, to receive power by the Spirit. Now you come to the place of anointed. Everyone say anointing. What is the anointing? The anointing is where the Holy Spirit begins to come as we've seen just now with J.S. or even with that which I have. It's like a mantle begin to place upon you where the Holy Spirit begins to envelope you. A covering of the Holy Spirit. No longer would you be seen, but the Holy Spirit of God is seen. Where it is the Holy Spirit that begins to channel through you and begin to use you to change situation. No longer by your own strength, no longer by your own ability, but it's the Holy Spirit. I want to pause for a while. And ask, what is the purpose of the anointing? It's not just for me to feel good. The, whole, the anointing is never for, for the individual. He didn't say the Spirit of the Lord, the, the, the anointing, he has anointed me to feel good. He says, he has anointed me to undo certain things. To be able to affect poverty. To be able to mend broken hearts. When there is anointing on you, you are able to mend people's lives that have been broken. When anointing on you, you have a passion to go where persons are hurting to be able to help to bear their burdens. When anointing is on you, you want to really challenge circumstances that are difficult for other individuals. So what I'm understanding, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, is never for us to feel good, but it's to affect situation. Notice in the book of Genesis where we read just now, when the Spirit period begin to move over situation gave God the ability to be able to change circumstances and you and I are here as a result of God speaking releasing a word and says let us make man in our own image and likeness the sun is up there because the Holy Spirit was able to move and give God the ability to be able to speak out you and I would be able to change circumstances because we depend solely on the Holy Spirit. Jesus was able to open bandit eyes because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit anointed him to be able to see eyes being opened. To enlighten those who were held in darkness to be able to release them. And as we unpack the Holy Spirit this morning, I want you to understand it's not just to hear another story. But to understand that we should experience the power of God in such a way that we can testify and say, yes, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want to ask this question this morning. How many of you, by the show of hands, have been, you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I just want you to just lift your hands away. Thank you very much. Put it down. How many of you have never, now this is, you say, but uh, we shouldn't ask that, but in the book of Acts chapter 19 and 20. Paul asked the question, have you received the Holy Spirit from since you believed? And some of them said, we have not even heard. He said, to which baptism were you baptized? They said, the baptism of 
John. He said, indeed, John baptized you unto repentance. And the word says, he took them. And then when he was finished, he baptized them in water, laid hands upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to ask a question. How many of you have not been filled with the, never been filled with the Holy Spirit? You never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Lift your hands, please. You have never experienced the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, by the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's nothing to embarrass you. It's just really. If you have never, we'd want you to receive that experience. Is there anybody? Now, I want you to understand, very importantly, there are persons today that would like to use of God. God could not do nothing without the Holy Spirit. The Father could not do anything without the Holy Spirit. In fact, when you look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit never remained with people. It comes and goes. It's only in the New Testament the Holy Spirit comes and he, since he came after Jesus spoke and says, I'm going away and I'm going to send you another comforter. If I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. When the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, and verse 1 to 4, he says they were in, in Acts chapter 2, if you could put it on the screen, please, we'd really like that. Notice, now he says they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. Now, in verse 5, let's look at verse 1 to 4. He says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a song like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. There, they saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. He says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The King James Version says, as the Spirit gives them the utterance. So the Spirit give them the ability to do it. That's what happened. Now, this was based on what Jesus had promised them 10 days before that. In verse 4 of, chapter, of, of Acts chapter 1, the word says that Jesus told them that they should tarry in Jerusalem. Until the Holy Spirit come. In verse 8. He says you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. So what am I understanding? The filling of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is to enable us to bring others to Christ. Let me put it in a simple term. Witnesses in Jerusalem. Witnesses in Judea. Witnesses in Samaria. Witnesses in the uttermost part of the earth. Where is the evidence that we have that the Spirit of God has filled us? And that's where, as you begin to work within your different areas, whatever is it within your, your job, and get some time to be able to speak with your colleagues, you could bring somebody to Jesus. You could look to be able to understand that God, the reason why he wants his Spirit upon you, it's not just for you to know that you have the Spirit, but that you would be able to introduce others to him. 
And that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came into the earth, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the next thing that he began to do is reach out to persons who are broken, persons who were chained up, persons who were blind, persons who were lame, persons who were sick, and bring them to God. Where's the evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? And that's why I'm saying to you, if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you say to me, I've received already the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's, I found out exactly, it's like a vehicle that you drive through to Birmingham. And if you do Birmingham three times with a, your vehicle filled with petrol, you drive three times. Can you drive three times to Birmingham back and forth with a vehicle filled with petrol? Can you do that? Three times? You can do that. Can you go up five times? Can you go up six times with your vehicle filled with petrol? One time you went to the gasoline station. One time. And you do it five times Birmingham back to where you are. Can you do that? Do we have anybody who could do that? It means at a certain point you would need to go to where to get? You need a re? You need to have a re? Say that with me, a refilling. That's what happened in the book of Acts. We saw many times that they used, as they begin to use it to touch lives, to see lives, the Holy Spirit enabled them. They needed to go back to the gasoline station, who is the Holy Spirit, and allow themselves to be filled again. So today, there are persons here, yes, you were filled with the Holy Spirit before. Yes, you baptized, you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you may need to go back to the gasoline station, say that, the filling station. You need to be refilled again. All right? And it's not, I'm not speaking about petrol. I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit petrol that we need within our lives. All right. How many of you want that part? That is what you need. You need the Holy Spirit to fill you because you are. But sometimes we are not using, we are not allowing the Spirit to use us, to enable us, and therefore we have been seated all along, and therefore what he has given us dried up right where we are. We didn't drive to Birmingham. We didn't drive to Birmingham, but something happened to our gas. Something happened to our petrol. What happened to your petrol? What happened to your petrol? Why are you losing your petrol? Well, says to us, Jesus gave a parable about his return in Matthew chapter 24, 25. And he says that it's like five, 10 virgins. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. He said they all had oil. But then as the, the lamps keep burning, the oil ran out. The wise ones seek more by connecting to the Holy Spirit. But those who were foolish, they did not seek for, no. But when they heard that there is a song saying that the bridegroom is coming, that's the time that they are asking, can you? Every other shop was closed. And they ask, can you give me some? Can you give me some? Can you give me some oil? And these five wives says, we can't. We cannot leave ourselves empty and give to you. Within our meetings, we may have persons who are wise and we may have people who are foolish virgins. I am not the person who makes that decision who is. And J.S. is not the person who does that either. It's you need to know exactly 
are you on the side which is the wise virgins or are you on the side which is the foolish virgin? So let's come to the point. How many of you, I'd like four volunteers, please. Four volunteers. Can I get four volunteers just to demonstrate something? Can you come, please? Four, quickly, come. Now, I'm going to put four glasses here, representing four in the, the four of you. I'm not going to give you, I would like you because you need, you need what I just talked about. Take one of the glasses, please, quickly. Ah. How many of you, you just came out from uh, running through, maybe you went, you went through, no, most of you uh, may have watched England playing um, Wales yesterday. And you realized that after they had won, you went to take a victory lap and you ran around the field. But then you're tired and then you're thirsty. How many of you, you come to the attendant and you said, I am thirsty. And you ask for a drink of water. And this is the glass that he gives to you. This is the cup that he gives to you. I want to ask you exactly. I want to ask you. How many of you would like to drink from the glass? What's his name, please? Jacob. How many of you would like to drink? Lift it up, please, Jacob. How, how many of you would like to drink from the glass that Jacob has? Anybody like to drink from the glass that Jacob has? All right. I hope. How many, what's your name, please? Chris. <laughs> how many would like to drink from the glass that... Lift your hands, Chris. How many would like to drink from this glass? You'd like to, you'd like to get... This water poured into this glass. Lift your hands if you would like that. You like this glass? Nobody would want it. The first thing you want, you refuse it. It doesn't matter how thirsty you are, you would refuse it. And there are some lives that are filled with stuff like this. There are some lives where there are blockages. That God will not put his spirit inside of a life that is messed up. One of the first things that he has to do is to touch the life of that individual. That's what happened to Isaiah. He had blockages inside of his life. And the word says that while he's in the presence of the Lord, that this one of the seraphim came and touched his lips and said, Today, I'm releasing you and I'm making you clean. And that's what can happen, even with this glass. How many would like to drink from... The glass that, what's your name? Neil has. Yeah? Let's try it. Mm, Looks good. (laughs) What happened to this glass? What happened to it? It is a cracked glass. A cracked glass. How many would like to drink from a cracked glass? And sometimes, you know what happens? I've just poured in the water inside. You just pour in the oil. He says you cannot put new wine inside of old wine skin. Notice this. An old wine skin, but you are not seeing it because it is disguised. There are people who are walking and they can be even among us and they are disguised. You may fool John, but you cannot fool the Holy Spirit. 
It's very important. Now, how many of you would like to drink from the glass that, what's your name? Owen. Owen. How many would like to drink from the glass that Owen has? <laughs> what's wrong, Owen? What is wrong, Owen? Nothing. Nothing. Owen's glass is filled with holes. This is a holy glass. There are people who are holy people. They are not holy for the anointing, but they are holy licking out everything. Filled of holes. You could drink it quickly. But I would like to drink from the glass of Jacob. Is Jacob? I would like to drink from the glass of Jacob. Jacob, come a little closer. How many of you are confident that you should drink from the glass of Jacob? You come to Jacob. Is Jacob filled? Is it filled? When will Jacob be filled? When will he be filled? No. Is it filled? The Holy Spirit must come inside of you and you will be filled. Is that true? No, that's not what we said. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Say that with me, upon. This is in, this is upon. Everybody say upon. But it starts from the inside of you. What the Holy Spirit wants to do is to begin to operate from the inside of you until it begins to flow. So Jesus Christ says in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he says, if any man first, let him come unto me and drink. If any man first, if you're thirsty, do not go down to one of the supermarkets to get drink. You'll get lots of drink, but you will not get the Holy Spirit. There's no bottled Holy Spirit. There is no bottled Holy Spirit. There is no Holy Spirit that is made in the United States. There is no Holy Spirit that is made in the UK. There is no Holy Spirit made in China. All came from the presence of God. The Holy Spirit came from the presence of God. And that's him that we need to connect with. And therefore, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it is to experience, I'm not going to, do another damage. <laughs> but I think you understand what I mean. Come and put your hands together for them, for, for them please. Yes. Like I said just now, every one of you need to have an experience. Every one of us. If God needed the experience of the Holy Spirit, if Jesus needed the experience of the Holy Spirit, if he told his disciple to tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, if the disciples experienced the all, 120 in the upper room experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, and it goes on and on through the book of Acts. Today, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, if Don needed the Holy Spirit, every one of us needed the Holy Spirit. And even if you at one time experience him, it's time to go back to the refilling station. It's time to ask him to fill your life. It's time to ask him, say, Holy Spirit, 
I cannot undo the things in this earth, not until you empower me. And just as the Father God couldn't change a void situation, the darkness and the chaos, you and I would not be able to change nothing around us, but until we submit to the Holy Spirit and ask him to come and overshadow us over our lives. That every day we move, we, every step we take, we want to take it to the Holy Spirit. Can you stand, please? John. This is a time of receiving. A time of saying, Holy Spirit of God, just fall afresh on me. A time of receiving of the goodness of God. We're just going to use a little song, fill me in you, fill me in you, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Now it's over to you. It's over to you. You've heard the word. You're able to identify where you stand, which, which uh, cup, if you like, you represent. If there's need to clean the cup, this is a time of opportunity for confession and repentance. If the cup's got some holes, it's a time, again, for confession, repentance, healing. If you've identified that, you know, I, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or you may say I need to be refilled, this is a great time to actually come before God and be honest before him and say, Lord, that's what I need. <coughs> oh, I'll do it another time. Will you? Will you? Will you do it another time? Hmm. This is a particular moment, a particular opportunity. Let's seize that opportunity. Lord, we just ask now that you would see the hungry hearts, see those that are open to you, see those that are cleaning the cup, see those that are now saying, Lord, I want to be filled, I want to be refilled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you just move amongst us and now filled with the Holy Spirit. Those, Lord, that have never experienced the gift of tongues, that you would again release them in that outpouring. Thank you, Lord.